0: Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we come to you this morning. I pray that you bless and use the message this morning that it will feed our hearts and our souls. I pray that there would be some comfort gained some instruction taught, and Father, where need be, I pray that conviction would come and point us and guide us in the right direction that we can become more of what you would want us to be. Lord, I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to guide and direct my thoughts and my heart. I pray that you would allow him to work and to influence the hearts and lives of those that are sitting here today listening. Lord, use the message, the truth of your word to do its effective work in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've said so often many times to preacher friends of mine and and folks that uh, have taught Sunday school programs and junior church programs that uh, it's a very sobering thing to try to stand and preach God's Word. The truth is uh, we are very arrogant to think that we are ever ready or sufficient to preach God's Word, because the truth of it is so far above what we can ever live. The truth of it is so far above what we can ever aspire to, but it ought to be the, the desire of our hearts to follow after it, to long for it. And uh, with that in mind, that thought, we're going to Take a few moments to look at some thoughts from Psalm 23. And I will tell you at the onset, I don't know that there will be anything new today. But there are times that in our Christian lives we need to be reminded of some things. There are things that we need to be stirred up in. The Bible said in Isaiah chapter number 53 all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the truth is. When God looks at us, he sees a bunch of sheep. I was driving with my son a few weeks ago across over to Indiana, and we passed by a farm. (laughs) It's unusual that you'd find a farm in Indiana and Illinois, but we found a farm or two. Had a bunch of sheep out there. And it was interesting to watch as they were all milling about. And the truth is, the sheep are pretty dumb critters. They don't have a whole lot of (coughs) wits about them. And they kind of wander around, and if they don't have any guidance, the truth is the sheep will never go anywhere. They don't ever do anything. They scatter, and there's no sense to them. And the psalmist, who was a shepherd as a young man, certainly understood how a shepherd and a sheep and the relationship that they had, how they worked. And as he was thinking of the things of the Lord, and by the way, David was a man that God referred to as a man after his own heart. If ever a man in Scripture loved God any more than David, I wouldn't know who it would be. Doesn't mean that David was perfect, was he? Oh, my, no. He did things that some of us would never even dream about doing. But you know what made David such a great man was that his heart was always longing for God. His heart was always longing for God to look into him and to point out the iniquity and to forgive it and to cleanse him, and to make him what he should be. He understood his inadequacy, and when he came to pen these words, I believe that it was in the heart and the mind of David, his frailties and his failures to God, as he looked upon himself as a sheep. And he begins to refer to the Lord, and he says, The Lord is my shepherd. And can I tell you this today, that we live in a world where there is some guidance needed. And the guidance is not going to come from Washington, D.C. I'm sorry, it's just not going to do it. I'll be real frank with you. The guidance is not going to come from a pastor. It's not going to come from a Sunday school teacher, but it's going to come from God's Word. If that pastor that Sunday school teacher will guide and direct with God's Word, then great. But we live in a day where the truth is you can't count on that, can you? Our direction has to be from God Himself. And I love the fact that the psalmist says, The Lord is my shepherd. He's the one that's going to keep the sheep together. He's the one that's going to provide for them. He's the one that's going to protect them. He's the one that's going to guide them along the way. And if there's anything that we need in this life, it's to have the provision, the protection, and the guidance of Almighty God. He says, "I The Lord is my shepherd. And he makes this statement. He says, I shall not want. And in verse number 2, we find that the Lord is is the provision for the sheep. The Bible says this, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And God is certainly great at leading us in the right places and putting us in the right places, isn't He? To where we have all that we need. There may be time that we are in want, but the truth is we never go to a place where God is not all that we need. There may be times that we're doing better off materially than others, but there is never a time that God is not all that we need. He maketh us to lie down. The Bible says in green pastures, He leadeth us beside the still waters. And the truth is, we live in the United States of America, and I don't care how bad it gets, we are a very blessed people. I don't care how down and out we get. If we have to go uh, with uh, ramen noodles for a few weeks, can I tell you this? Here in this country, at least, we are a very blessed people. God has certainly put His hand of provision upon us. I don't see too many of us here that have missed too many meals. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me, the Bible says, beside the still waters. I want you to notice verse number three. And this is a thought that's been on my heart this week. He restoreth my soul. You ever get to that place where you kind of feel like you've drifted? Maybe your heart got cold? And God comes and He restores your soul. You ever go through some valleys and some battles and even though your heart is close to the Lord, you think, Lord, why in the world am I going through all this? The Bible says He restoreth my soul. Somebody said years ago that when you get to the place where God is all you have left, you find out He's all you ever needed to begin with. I'm thankful. That there is not one thing that can take the place of what God can do in my heart and my soul. I'm thankful that when I am down and depressed and when I get to the place where it seems like there is no good way to go, that God will come along and the Bible says this, He'll restore our souls. Not only is He our provision in verse number 2, but in verse number 3, He preserves us, doesn't He? There's never a time that we are forsaken by God. You know, the Bible says there are times we'll be cast down, but we're not going to be forsaken. It's interesting to me how that no matter what happens in our lives, God is always there and he'll always make a way of escape, won't he? There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man, the Bible says. But we'll with that temptation make a way of escape. But God has a way of preserving us as Christians, and I'm thankful for that, that day by day, not only has he saved me, but he keeps me saved. He not, only, he not only guides me and directs me along the way, but there are times that I look at things in life and I think, Lord, I don't know if I can go on anymore. He comes along. And He restores our soul. You know, for David to know this, he had to have a soul that was so depleted. He had to have a soul that was so run down. And God had to reach down and touch it and make it new again. And cause there to be joy. cause there to be that joy of the salvation that God gives to us once again. Causes that, that, that touching of the heart where the fire embers are stirred up once again. I, there are times in my life where I've sat in services and, and God has so overwhelmed my heart that words could not even put, be put into place to describe what God did in my heart. And I'll tell you that many of those times were at times where I was the lowest I had been spiritually. That God came along. And you saw that the psalmist said there was a time in his life where his feet had well nigh slipped. He said, I was almost gone. And God came along. Aren't you glad we have a God that will restore our souls? I'm telling you what, that's something they'll make a Baptist shout right there. Amen? We get to the end of our rope we tie the knot and we're losing the grip on it. God comes along. By the way, can I tell you this? He's always there. There's never a time that He's not there. The Bible says this, verse 3 He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Aren't you glad that He does that? He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness so I can brag about my spirituality. Is that what it says? He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness so people will think highly of me. Is that what it says? What does it say? He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. You know why we're to live righteous and holy and godly? To point men to Him. We live in a day where Christians have lost that. We think that, that we're to live righteous and holy and godly, so that people will think highly of us. So that people will look at us and say, well, there's a, there's a fellow that's got a great character, and boy, he must really walk with God. Can I tell you this? I'd far rather somebody look at my life and say, what a great God he has. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So that men can see our good works, he said in Matthew chapter 5, And glorify our Father, not us. Can I tell you this? There is a rash in the day and age that we live of God's people many times. Living outwardly the way that they should be and clean on the outside for no other reason than to be identified with a particular group of people. For no other reason than for people to think highly of them. Can I tell you this? I really don't care what other Christian people think of me. What I'm concerned with is what the lost think of the Lord Jesus Christ when they see me. Have I pointed men to Him? Have I lifted Him up? Has there been things in my life that I don't look down my nose at people on, but I certainly live in a way that I want people to realize there's something different that I would be no better than anybody else if it weren't for the Lord Jesus Christ? For He reached down, the Bible says, into the miry clay. That's where I was. And by the way, that's where you were. And He set my feet on a solid rock. If it were not for the grace of Almighty God, you and I would be in the same place. We don't look arrogantly at people who are lost. We look at them with hearts of compassion and brokenness. We say, I'm going to live in a way that I'm going to be able to point men to Him. I'm going to declare it to them. I'm going to let them know that I have a God in heaven that has preserved me. In verse number 4, the Bible says this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I love this. The psalmist says, Thou art with me. Or I will fear over for Thou art with me. You ever been there? I mentioned it Wednesday night. There are times we feel like, boy, where is God in all of this? I've been there. I've heard testimonies of some of you how that there have been times in your life that you felt that God was never not even hearing you. You would pray, and it didn't even seem like He was there. Can I tell you, He was. When we go through the deepest and the darkest of valleys, the Bible says He's still right there with us. We have great examples of that in Scripture, don't we? You have a young man that just trying to do what's right. He disobeys the king, but he's trying to do what's right. The king doesn't have any choice but to take him and throw him in a den full of hungry lions. Can I tell you, God was there. Boy, that was a valley of death, wasn't it? There were three other boys later on that, again, just trying to do what's right. Got another king mad at him. He takes them and binds them up and makes the furnace ten times hotter so it killed the men outside the furnace and he throws them in the middle of the flame. The Bible says when he looked in, he saw a fourth one among them. They were all loose and walking about. Can I tell you this? There's not a valley you and I can go through that God is not there. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we find that we have God's presence in our life. He says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. (laughs) I love this. He says, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. Have you ever thought on that? Why the psalmist uses both of these words? Thy rod and thy staff. Sometimes the shepherds would have two different items. Sometimes the staff and the rod were the same thing. But they were used for completely different purposes. The crook of the shepherd's staff, many times, was for when the sheep got off the trail and got lost, like we're so prone to do. We find ourselves fallen and in a place where we cannot retrieve ourselves. And the psalmist takes the staff staff and he reaches down and he hooks the little lamb and lifts them up from a place that they cannot lift themselves. Aren't you glad for the Savior's staff? That there are times that he comes along I know there was one day on November the 15th, 1983, that he reached a staff down and got me from a place I could never have gotten out of. How about you all, but I'm thankful for that day. I would hope you are too, not for November 15th, but for the day that yours happened on when God reached down and picked you up. But you know there are times after we're saved that we still get ourselves in a place like that. We get ourselves in a place where we don't seem to know how in the world we're going to make it out of this one. The Bible says, thy rod and thy staff, they what? They comfort me. Boy, I love the staff. As we're walking along down those hillsides and on the path that God's laid out before us, He uses the staff to guide and nudge the sheep along the way. I'm thankful for the staff. Boy, what a comfort it brings know that it's there to rescue me out of things that I cannot get out of myself. To know that it's there to guide and direct me. But can I tell you this? I don't like the rod so much. The Bible talks about the rod in the book of Proverbs, doesn't it? it tells us as parents were not to spare the rod. But do you know that shepherds have a rod? In the Bible times when they had uh, shepherds that were tending the sheep, They would have a special pocket that was sewn inside their left side of their robe that they would take sheep that would not obey, that would continue to drift away from the flock. They would take that sheep and they would hold it in their hand and they would stretch the front legs out and they would take the rod and they would break the two front legs of that little lamb. Then the shepherd, by the way, he didn't do it because he was being mean. He did it because he loved the sheep. And he would take the legs of that lamb and he would bind them up and put the the swaddling things on him and the splints on him. And he would tuck him inside of this special pocket that was on the left side of their robe. They would hold them there until the legs had mended and healed. I'm told that when the legs were mended and healed and they would take that sheep out of their cloak after having spent so much time near the shepherd that that sheep would never again wander more than just a few feet away. And I tell you this, that while I don't like the rod, I am grateful for it. I'm thankful that there are times that God has to break my leg, so to speak. But I know that when He does, He takes and He wraps me up, and He puts me next to His heart, and He holds me there until I'm healed. And can I tell you this, it helps the next time not to get so far from the Savior. And the shepherd understood this, this great psalmist who wrote this psalm. As he says, thy rod and thy staff, notice he says this, both of them, they comfort me. Isn't that a wonderful thing? If we were go around the room today, we could all say, boy, I sure love the staff, but I sure don't like the rod. Man, I'm going to tell you what, the rod hurts, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would let the staff do the work more of the time than the rod? If we would follow the leading, the prodding, the nudging of the shepherd rather than the chastening of the shepherd. The psalmist understood the nature of humans, how we're prone to drift. The songwriter wrote it this way, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it seal it for thy courts above verse number 5 we find that the Bible says thou preparest a table before me notice this it's not just the provision of God but notice where he prepares the table in the presence of my what enemies thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over can I tell you this, that there are times that God looks down and says, I'm so proud of my servant. I'm so proud of that sheep for doing the right thing. You remember the book of Job, that there came a time where Satan came before God, and God said, Hast thou considered my servant Job, one that escheweth evil, upright, Wouldn't it be wonderful if it could be said of your life and my life that God could go to Satan and brag on us? Say, hast thou considered my servant? And Put your name in there. Before you long for that, look at what happened to Job. (laughs) May not want that. But can I tell you this? There are times that when we are faithful to Him, when we learn from the rod and we're directed by the staff, God will exalt us, the Bible says this, in due time. We're not to have pride in of ourselves, but God will take care of it, doesn't he? My dad used to say it this way, God keeps good records. God keeps good records. I don't really worry in this life about somebody saying, Brother Greg, I, I, I really am pleased with you. I think you've done a great job. I'll tell you what I'd long for. I long to go like Miss Mary did this week (laughs) Let's stand before a Savior that says, Well done. I fear that many times I will not hear that, but there are times I so long for it that we would be able to have the approval of God upon our lives. I don't know if we will understand or realize how significant of a thing that is because the truth is, The Bible talks about our sin being as filthy rags, our righteousness even being as filthy rags in the sight of God. The miracle that it is for God to look at us and say well done to a person who is a lost sinner that's saved by the grace of Jesus Christ under His blood. I'm thankful that His blood covers us, but why in the world would God ever be pleased with us? The fact that He is is something of great wonder to me. The fact that there's any time that he would say, well done, Greg, you've been faithful in a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. For him to say well done to any one of us, I think, is a miracle in and of itself. I want you to notice also in verse number 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And we find here God's promise. We find he's a providing shepherd in verse number 2. We find he preserves us in verse number 3. We have his presence in verse number 4. We get his promotion in verse number 5. And we have his promise in verse number 6. What an amazing shepherd. It says, surely. <laughs> the psalmist didn't doubt this. Why do, we, why do we so often doubt him? He said, Brother Greg, I don't doubt the Lord. Oh, but we do. We do. How oftentimes we begin to be full of care and anxiety and worry. The psalmist said, surely, this is something you can take to the bank. This is something that's going to happen. No matter what, God has said it, it's going to happen. He says, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. It's a good thing it does, doesn't it? Aren't you glad that when we get saved, God's mercy didn't end the day we got saved? Because the truth is, we've failed him since then, haven't we? You know, there are some people that think, well, if you sin again, if you, if you, if you get too bad after you get saved, you lose your salvation. It's not what my Bible teaches. My Bible teaches that Jesus Christ was the sureties, the guarantor of the new covenant, the book of Hebrews. The Bible says that God gives us his mercies every day, that they're renewed every day. The psalmist says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How long? All the days of my life. What a great promise. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There are times that we get to the place where we're overwhelmed. We go through valleys. We go through trials. There are times we feel like God's not there. There are times in my life that I've, I have... Miss Kim was talking... Wednesday, I don't mean to embarrass you, but Wednesday night she was talking to me. She said, boy, I'll tell you, God's just stirred me up in some things. God's done." But you know, there are times that we go through that, don't we? There are times that our hearts are, are further from the Lord and then times that He draws us near to Him. And can I tell you this, that when the times are that our hearts are drawn and we feel like we're so far from the Lord, it's not God that left us. <laughs> We were the ones that left him. And I am thankful for a shepherd that doesn't give up. He takes the staff and He takes the rod. And He brings comfort to us one way or the other. He puts us in the right line. He teaches us and instructs us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And the psalmist said this, Surely goodness... And mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the greatest promise you and I have. And I shall dwell where? <laughs> wow. What an amazing thought. If I was God, there's no way. I, I look at what Satan did. I don't like Satan. I think Satan's a terrible thing and a terrible person. He's certainly out to destroy Christians. But you know his only sin at the time that God cast him out of heaven was pride. And God cast him out of heaven. You know, the truth is we have offended God far more. And yet He gives us mercy. And He gives us a home in heaven for all of eternity. Man, if that doesn't comfort your heart. No wonder the psalmist said, He restoreth my soul. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've gone through or what you will go through. But this one thing I know, that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. And I hope by way of remembrance, it will guide us and cause us to rejoice this week in the Savior we have. I hope it will help us to live more the way we ought to, knowing that He instructs us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I hope it will help us to rely upon Him a little bit more than we have in the past to lay that anxiety, to hang that worry upon Him and say, Lord, I'm just going to lay it down at Your feet. I'm not going to worry about it. It's Yours. I'm thankful for the mercy He's given to me. There there are people that don't. They're not certainly as gracious as God is to me. There are people that I have not received mercy from. But there's never been a time, not one, that I have come to God and said, God, I certainly have messed up this one. And He has extended mercy. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Years ago, there was a song that Friend of mine in college used to sing, Oh, what a Savior! Oh, hallelujah! His heart was broken on Calvary, his hands were nail scarred, his side was riven. He gave his lifeblood for you and me. And you know, the truth is, all we can say is, Oh, what a Savior! Oh, what a Savior! Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Father, we're thankful for your word. I am thankful for your leading and your guiding in our lives. Lord, while this is not the message I had ready for this morning, perhaps it was needful for somebody here this morning. I know it was needful in my heart. I pray that you will use it by way of remembrance that, Lord, when those trials come, when we go through valleys that we do not understand, that we can have faith and trust that you are there. That your presence is there, your provision is there, your protection to us is there. That you will always lead us the right way, that you will always sustain us and bring us through it. Lord, may we put and rest our faith upon it, these promises, that we would not be soon shaken, that our feet would not slip during time of trial, that we would be able to be steadfast holding forth these promises. That we would be able to anchor our soul to Psalm 23. That when the winds of trials come our way, the desert heat seems to bake upon us. That we will not shrivel up. That we will not soon be shaken. That we will not be blown about by every wind of doctrine. But that we will be established. That we will be nourished in your word. That we will anchor ourselves to the promises that you have given to us in Psalm 23. We would rejoice in them. That we would remember them well. We would think of them often. And then, Father, we want to tell you this morning that we are so grateful for it. I don't understand and know even how to give an invitation on Psalm 23, but, Lord, we're going to give opportunity for people to respond. And if you've spoken to hearts, perhaps we need to just come and rededicate our hearts and our minds to you. Perhaps we just need to lay our burdens and our cares at the altar and say, Lord, they're yours. Perhaps we need to just embrace the Savior a little bit more. Whatever the case is, Father, I pray that you would bless and use the time that we spend here together this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed, we'll have the piano and organ play a verse or two of invitation. If God's spoken to you, perhaps you'd come this morning. Several have already come. Perhaps there would be others. We'll just wait another moment or two as they play through another verse of invitation. Right, thank you. you. May lift your heads. In just a few moments, we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. I would encourage you. We've got plenty of food downstairs. You're welcome to stay for lunch. And we'd like to encourage you and invite you to come down and spend lunch with us. And we just have an afternoon service that uh, we try to deal with very practical things, things that are helpful in the Christian life uh, as far as our growth spiritually. And so I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that service. Uh, That being said, I do want to make mention, I failed to mention it last Sunday during the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, We had checked into, as a church, uh, getting our uh, fluorescent lights changed to LED bulbs, and uh, we do not qualify for that program. We talked to the church uh, a week and a half ago, and they talked about having uh, an offering, taking an offering for that to see if we could raise the funds to do it. It's not part of our budget that we voted on. It would be about $400 or so, a little bit over $400. It would be under $500, let me put it that way, uh, to replace them all. And uh, I think we've had $160 or so come in towards that. Um, if you would like to help contribute to that, uh, whether you're able to give today or if you want to wait till next Sunday, that's fine also. But if you would just put that in a separate tithing envelope that are back in the back and just mark it uh, lights. And drop it in the offering box back there. We'll make sure it gets to the right place. And uh, we'll see what the Lord does here over the next week or so. And then make a decision uh, how we want to go from there. So I did want to mention that in the 11 o'clock hour. I know we had talked about it last week, but it it was during the afternoon uh, hour. So I did want to mention that in case some of you would like to help and be a part of that. And I want to be praying that God would guide us and direct us in that situation. All right. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. And then take time to fellowship, and uh, if you've got time to stay with us and join us for lunch, we'd love the fellowship down there as well. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it, and that we would leave here with it upon our hearts and our minds. I pray that you'd help us to incorporate the things that we learn, these truths, into our lives. Help us to uh, have a wonderful time this afternoon of fellowship around your word and around your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.